With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Sports Station, 1460 KXNOs. We take you up until noon. Bottom of the hour, Scott Dockerman on the Hawks. Of course, Doc writes for The Athletic. Kerry Miller does likewise, but at BleacherReport.com, where he covers college basketball, and he joins the program. Kerry, Trent, and Ken in Des Moines, thanks for giving us a few minutes. How are you this morning? I am. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you coming on. Trent and I ended the last hour speaking, well, it was basketball-related, but the NBA and the All-Star game last night, the Elam ending, I'm more of a fan, I think, than Trent is. Trent misses the buzzer beater, which is essentially eliminated from the Elam ending. Well, this where's the Elam ending being utilized in five years? Is it still solely in the tournament? Uh, is it uh, solely in the NBA All-Star game? Has this come to either college basketball or regular season NBA in five years? I have no idea, but I hope so, because I love the Elam ending. Mm. I mean, I have not watched much of the, the basketball tournament. I know that's where... It originally came from. They yep. use it all the time there. But, um, I mean, I thought last night was awesome. Um, you know, we always see the, the NBA guys play a little bit harder in the fourth quarter, but, man, they were mm-hmm. busting their butt knowing exactly what the, the end goal was. And everybody complained that, oh, it ended on a free throw. I was like, okay, well, I watched the Arizona State-California game, and there were 12 free throws by Arizona State in the final 54 seconds. Mm-hmm. So I will take one free throw to win it over – the current state of the end game in college basketball. So we'll see. Maybe they'll utilize it in the NIT. I know they're always kind uh-huh. of tweaking yep. with ideas there, but um, would be great if we can get it uh, in some capacity. What else would you do? I'm going to wave Change the, the name? The, well, that, that could be a part of it, too. Wave the magic wand for you to fix college basketball, to make the sport better. If you were given, Mark Emmerich gives you a call and says, Carrie, the floor is yours. What other rule changes would you like to see? Well, first and foremost, the the name, image, and likeness thing. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. Just just let it be free for all. I don't know why we're so worried about you know which which teams will pay which players. Just free market. Let them uh, if they can get money from a local Harris Teeter or Kroger or whatever. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Have fun with that. I don't know why we care. Um, just just in general, the the end game. I think the Elam ending or whatever we want to call it at that point would would help, but. I, mean, I think just the last four minutes of so many basketball games mm. just are hard to watch, and that's what most people tune in for. It's like, hey, there's a 
two-point game on here. Let me watch it, and then you half fall asleep uh, catching the <laughs> end of it. So whatever we can do to spice up the ending of games would be great. I'm with you. Kerry Miller, Bleacher Report. Kerry, Creighton University is 110 miles, Trent, 105, 110 yep. miles from where we sit, yet they're out of sight, out of mind, and... And they're really good, which I guess is where I'm going. And I don't know if it's the Greg McDermott uh, hangovers for some portion of the state as far as Cyclone fans will. Uh, but this is a really good basketball team. And I think clearly the more I watch them, and admittedly, I've only seen them three times, but I've seen them three times this month. Uh, this looks like a second weekend team to me. Uh, when you watch Creighton, and I'm assuming that you have, what do you see as far as what McDermott has got on the floor? Do you think that this is a team built to make a little bit of an impact this uh, this March? Yeah, I haven't seen them much, but like you, I think they were all the last couple of weeks. Uh, caught some of that Seton Hall win uh, uh-huh. the other night, a little bit of their one game against Villanova. You know, just like the the Doug McDermott and Ethan Rogge years, like this team can score in a hurry on you. I mean, they obviously don't have the same star power type players, um, but they're they're really good. Uh, I have them as a four seed right now, uh, and my bracket is going to be coming out tomorrow morning. Um, and I think that's around where most people have them, probably a four or five. And yeah, from there they could certainly make the Sweet Sixteen. Um, and you know, if they are a four or five, I would not want to be the one seed facing them because um, that is such a tough team to defend when they're hitting their threes. As a whole, we talk, of course, a lot of Big Ten basketball here, but the Big East is in the conversation with the Big Ten this year as the best conference in America. Very well could be eight of the ten teams make it to the Big Dance this year out of the Big East. But how much staying power do you see? Seton Hall, with Miles Powell, you always got a chance with the guy that dynamic. But these teams as a whole, is it a lot of teams with maybe Sweet 16 as their best upside or can you see more out of this conference? Yeah, I think Villanova is the one team, not just because they've won two of the last four titles, but because they have more uh, overall depth. Like you said, Seton Hall is kind of Miles Powell. If he's awesome, they can beat anyone. Mm-hmm. But if, if you run a box and one against him, yeah, I would think Seton Hall is a little more beatable. Same with Marquette and Marcus Howard. Um, you know, Georgetown is basically down to three players at this point, but they're, they might get into the tournament, and I don't know how how deep they'd be able to go just given their lack of depth. So I think Villanova is probably the main team. Creighton could also make a little bit of a run, but yeah, I don't I don't see really a Final Four team with the, the possible exception of Villanova there. Hmm. You know, uh, it's, it's hard to imagine that Duke is flying under the radar, yet it seems to me may, maybe it's just from where we sit and we look at the ACC and we see that this conference that's usually in every conversation for the best conference in college basketball on any given year, well, except this year because, you know, Florida State and Louisville and Duke, and I don't think I'm missing anybody. Um, <laughs> but Duke right now seems to be, you know, what, what you want to be, right? You want to be playing your best basketball, and they have. I thought I, don't know, I have no idea how they beat North Carolina in Chapel Hill last Saturday night, but they did. Found a way to win that one. Uh, is is Duke a team that maybe you know don't sleep on Duke? Yeah, I forget who it was that pointed it out recently, but it's kind of crazy how far under the radar like Vernon Carey Jr.'s mm-hmm. season is going. Like he would clearly be the the freshman of the year right now, in my opinion, and, you know, probably a lottery pick, and it is Duke, you know, that every single one of their games is on ESPN for, you know, one of their networks, and right. still seems like nobody's paying that much attention to them, like you said. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of 
overlooked in the um, the one seed conversation because we've had Kansas, Baylor, Gonzaga, San Diego State just locked on there for over a month now. So Duke's just kind of hiding there at the top of the two seed line. But man, if if things play to form for the next month and they end up being the two seed in the East region and they get to play San Diego State in Madison Square Garden, mm. like they're going to be a heavy favorite to come out of that region and possibly win it all. So we have an undefeated team, San Diego State. We saw them in our state as they played the Hawkeyes in Vegas back in, uh, what was that, late November, I guess it was. Iowa had a double-digit lead at the half, but they came roaring back with Malachi Flynn and company. One of their more difficult games remaining on the schedule yesterday at Boise, they win it by 17 points. This team has taken on all comers. They played at a high level yet. Still not getting the national notoriety that I think Wichita did a few years back when they had their undefeated run. What's it going to take for more in the national media to fall in love with the San Diego State team or maybe the general public understanding just how good they are? Honestly, I think part of the problem is all their games are on the CBS Sports Network yeah. and not everybody gets that channel. If they were on ESPN or they were more more watchable if they weren't at you know playing games that tip off at 10 p.m. on the East Coast, it's just mm-hmm. tougher for people to find them. Like you got to really try and why would you want to when they're winning every game by 17? <laughs> Just not, not many people are watching them, but that is a really good team. Um, I think they're them and Duke, I believe, are the only two teams that are top 10 in both adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency right now. Um, so they're, you know, we're used to San Diego State being that good on defense, but this offense is just atypically good um, for the Aztecs. It's got four double-digit scorers and the one starter who doesn't score that much, KJ Fagan, is like the ultimate glue guy for them. So they're they're for real. Um, I mean, I know I said they would Duke would be the heavy favorite if they were to run into them in the Elite Eight, but just because it's you know Duke's home away from home in Madison Square Garden and it's Duke, so the <laughs> Vegas always gives them a few extra points, just like Kentucky. But I, I, San Diego State is definitely the real deal. I mean, I wrote about them maybe a month and a half ago, saying they should go undefeated, and thus far they have done so. Yeah, looking pretty good so far with that prediction. Uh, Kerry Miller, Bleacher Report. Kerry, is there a top 10 team that you're just not buying? Is there one out there that, you know, they keep winning or they keep winning these close games, but yet you just can't wrap your arms around it? Is there a top 10 team that you're not in love with? Uh, I would probably say Florida State Mm. there, um, and that's more so a product of their tournament history, mm-hmm. not so much this particular team. So um, I deep. Mean, I love that they, they, they're they number one in block percentage. They're top ten in steal percentage. They they go 12 deep, no problem, just throw guys at you like crazy. Like they, They're capable of beating anyone, but they always – they can't seem to string together three consecutive good games. Like they have one just complete dud on offense at least every other week, and that kind of terrifies me for a team that's – you know, in position to be an elite eight team. I don't know if they have the consistency to get there, uh, but they did. They won at Louisville. They almost won at Duke. So they're clearly deserving of their ranking, even though I don't really trust them. Hmm. Well, I was hoping you said Baylor because I'm a, I'm alone on an island. I just can't buy these Baylor Bears. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because it's Baylor, but. I, I, I should like them more, and we're clearly going to get I me. Mean, they pounded West Virginia this week, as I'm sure you saw. Uh, ESPN Plus had the game. They get Kansas at home this weekend. I just, what am I missing? Why, why can't I um, grasp Baylor as a legitimate team that could win it all? I mean, they're, they're not very good on offense. Um, 
you know, they're really good on the offensive glass. I think they're top five in the nation in offensive rebounding percentage, but their field goal percentage as a team is like 175th. So they have games like the 52-45 game against Texas where you're like, mm. this is not the best team right. in the country. And I think part of it, if they were number six, we would believe them more than uh-huh. they are at number one because we expect more of that top team. But obviously they're pretty good if they've won 22-23 games in a row. But yeah, I'm with you. I don't. I probably won't be picking Baylor to the Final Four um, just because I don't trust that offense. Kerry, I want to finish up here uh, on the local level. I want to start with the Missouri Valley Conference and the UNI Panthers. They've fallen a great game Saturday night on the road at Loyola. We'd been talking here. It felt like if they ran the table the rest of the way but got beaten Arch Madness, they were going to be fine. But now that they've taken a loss, how much wiggle room, if any, is there for UNI? Is it win down in St. Louis or bust for the Panthers to get in? Or could you still see them, if they win out in the regular season, getting a bid even if they fall in St. Louis? Yeah, it's so it's so tough to you know, really view anybody in a vacuum. We don't know what the rest of the bubble is going to do, of course, or how many bid thieves there will be in conference tournament play. But it it does feel like they're they're at large bubble more or less popped in that game against Loyola, and that's that's rough. I mean, that's like playing at Loyola's the toughest game in conference play. Like if Duke were to lose at Louisville, they wouldn't be in trouble. It's just the <laughs> the product of being a mid major conference, but. Not only it wasn't a bad loss, but it was a missed opportunity that they kind of needed to really bolster their resume. So I think right now you could put them, you know, ahead of the some of the bubble teams. Maybe they'd be an 11 seed right now. But if we're still talking at large three weeks from now, that means they took a loss in Arch Madness, and it's not going to be a quality loss. So I think that that probably hurts them. But we'll see what you know if teams like Indiana, Stanford, and Arkansas just keep on losing. Uh, we got to get to 68 somehow. That's what I just keep saying to myself every day when I get sicker and sicker trying to put together even nine seeds for the tournament. Uh, your, bla- your bracket at uh, Bleach Report comes out tomorrow. Give us a hint. Where will Iowa be? Iowa? Uh, where did I have them? I think a five seed, five mm-hmm, or six. Yeah. Um, you know, well, you pick any Big Ten team, and I'm probably going to say, yeah, they're, they're like a five or a six seed. <laughs> they really Wisconsin, are. Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan. I think I have... On my overall seed list, I, I didn't notice this until after the fact, but I have Big Ten team at 21, 23, 25, 27, 29, and 31. So they're just like all over the five, six, seven lines. Going to be difficult to put that thing together. The Gophers taking the loss to Iowa yesterday. There very well could be a team right around that 500 mark. I think we've seen twice two teams uh, get in with 16 wins in the regular season, Georgia mm-hmm. and Vanderbilt, if my memory serves correctly. Gophers are trending that direction. Still got to pile up a couple more wins even to get to 16, 17 wins. Yeah, they, they're going to have to get above 500. Uh, I don't know how far above. I have Purdue still in right now at 14 and 12. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that kind of tells you the current state of the bubble. But Purdue's metrics are also a lot better uh, than Michigan. So that's helping them. But, yeah, they, they just got to get get to 500 uh if they finish like 17 and 15 i don't know if, what, how far they would get into the big 10 tournament in order for that to happen in terms of total number of games but that's probably the goal for them um five more wins and i'm sure they would pick up five quadrant one wins along the way if they do that so that would certainly help no doubt Kerry. great job thanks for coming on Kerry miller bleacher report your brackets out tomorrow bleacherreport.com appreciate it Kerry. you got it take care guys thank you good to talk to you Kerry miller 
is uh, we go around college basketball, CarrieMillerBleacherReport.com. Yeah, it looks like Carrie's going to be able to join us on Mondays oh, going forward, filling in for Doster, and we'll uh, work to get Doster in later in the week then, in the weeks to come as we get ready Less than a month away from Selection Sunday. Uh, Doster's show airs at 6.30 on Stadium. Watch Stadium.com. Monday nights. I just saw a tweet from uh, Rob Goodman. Doster and Goodman, if you're a college basketball junkie inside college basketball, uh, debuts tonight. We'll get Doster, like you say, later on in the week. We'll get Scott Dockerman when we come back. Look forward to catching up with Doc. Did you read the piece at The Athletic? Uh, the former quarterbacks of Mike Leach, who played at Washington State. No, I have not. I think there was probably six or maybe six or seven former Washington State quarterbacks. What's it like inside the quarterback room at Washington State? It is so worth the read. Is is that an older piece? Well, I don't. I thought it was... Because there was a piece very similar to that during football season. Was it? So I'm reading old news. Which maybe saying. you are. Maybe you are. Because <laughs> I read it yesterday for the first time, and was I just I couldn't put it down. Right. It's long. Yes. Uh, but that's one of the, what's one of the great things about the athletic, right? You can do long form writing. This was such a great read. What a bizarre, bizarre dude. But the results speak for themselves, especially at the quarterback position, right? I think you're reading old news. I Am think I? that was the one that came out during football was season. Was it? Gosh darn it. Talking about him in the room, and he's got his chew in his mouth. And yes, he just, yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So why did they re-push, uh, retweet that out Because it's a good article. Well, it worked. They got me to click. Well, there you go. Uh, anyways... <laughs> That's kind of embarrassing. We'll come back. Uh, we'll get Scott Dockerman coming up here in the bottom of the hour. Trent and I take you until noon. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.org. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, approaching 1130, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Murph and Andy are here today at 2, then the Fanatics slide on in at 4. There won't be any Cyclone Coaches call-in show tonight. The uh, principals are on the road. They're in Lawrence, Iowa State, Kansas tonight, so I'm not sure if that has been moved till tomorrow or not. We will do some checking on that, but while we do that, let's get Scott Darkerman in here from The Athletic. Uh, Iowa with a gutty, gutty win yesterday, pulling one out, being down uh, with five minutes to go in the game. What were they, down eight in the basketball game, 11-0 run to end it. Scott, Trent, and Ken, thank you as always for coming on. I get the feeling that uh, you know most years this one doesn't end up in the win column, but this team found a way to do it, Scott Dockerman. I think that speaks volumes. How are you? Hey, I'm well, and uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, I've seen those games. I where we're there in person for most of those where you get to that point you're down eight you know that uh, Luka Garz is in foul trouble you don't have CJ Frederick you're you're got a depleted bench anyway and you know you're at a place like that a raucous environment where it was a really important game for Minnesota those are the games where they tend to lose and it's just most teams lose that way not just Iowa but most teams and to come out and score 11 straight points to end the game and do it the way they did it um, shows this team's got a unique quality to it uh, intangibly. I think it's a, it's a tougher team mentally, physically, and just it has a will to it. And I think that's what re- it really came to light to me yesterday afternoon. 
You know, this uh, we've seen some changes and certainly an evolution of Fran McCaffrey. You know, it, it's funny the national perspective of what he is, that he's just some raving lunatic <laughs> on the sidelines, which couldn't be further from the case. I mean, over the course of the 40 minutes, he probably talks to officials less than almost any college coach, but we know how quickly it can certainly accelerate for him. But we haven't seen some of those outbursts that maybe we've seen in the past or him towing the line. Is it just because he always talks about toughness that this team, it finally has the toughness that he's been asking for, for the last decade. Yeah, you're right. I think that's the case. It's, uh, I, I've seen him before be really upset. Usually it comes down to toughness and toughness. Isn't just, you know, being physically tougher. It's execution. It's doing what you're supposed to do at those times, even if the other team is, trying to prevent you from doing it. And I think what we've seen with this team is they're willing to do whatever it takes to win. Uh, yesterday was the fewest points they've scored, yet they still came out with a win. Uh, they And I think what we've seen with this team really, you know, since the DePaul game, you know, where they really played poorly. But other than that, they, they've just kind of fought through adversity time and time again. And, and he doesn't have to, to yell at him. do it a few times this year, but, but really it's, it's not necessary you know some of the other teams and games i've seen in the past sure you know get after them but in this case they're doing everything you're asking them to do and and uh it you know i listened to him yesterday talked to bobby hansen and he said he's you know probably more proud of this group than maybe most Mm -hmm. that he's ever coached and i think he's right it's this is a this is a special group this was one that reminds me an awful lot of the 1999 team under tom davis just in the way that they galvanize around every single situation and and really push forward. Mm, interesting. Uh, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic Doc. Uh, Cordell Pemsel's effort uh, on the heels of the one-game suspension for for the uh, indiscretion of you know, driving, going to get some fast food, suspended a game. Played 17 minutes, made all three of his baskets. Uh, he's a smart player, Doc. When I, every time I watch Pemsel, he's putting himself in the right position or he's making a pass seemingly that can, you know, it's going to go to his teammate or, or to nobody else. Um, I love his game, and particularly yesterday, Doc, I thought that was his best game that we've seen maybe since his freshman campaign. Didn't light it up statistically, but he's never going to do that, and yet he played a huge role in the win. Yeah, and I think it was really important for him not to really have any turnovers because that's kind of been an, an issue for Cordell for a little while, is this year anyway is, you know, he has had some turnovers that have been regrettable, and he's ended up on the bench. And we saw him, you know, put a lot of minutes on the floor, uh, what, three years ago as a true freshman and then as a sophomore. You know, he, he was that kind of important glue player. And last year with the injury, this year kind of inconsistent at times. Uh, you know, and, of course, he had that indiscretion last week driving while revoked. Uh, you know, that I think this was a game he needed to have for himself. I think the team needed him uh, when – you know, Luca Garz is in foul trouble. No C.J. Frederick. Joe Wieskamp has probably his worst game as a, as a Hawkeye. And yet somebody like Cordell comes in for 17 minutes, hits all three shots, no turnovers, uh, you know, has a block, you know, three rebounds that were really important. So I think what it showed was uh, he was, you know, really locked in and, and played like a veteran needs to play no matter what their responsibility is. More important for Iowa basketball, two to get to Saturday, something that hasn't happened under Fran McCaffrey, I can't even go there. A Sweet 16 would be a different level here. But how about this? Getting to Saturday or staying out of that 7, 8, 9, 10 seed range where, well, you know who you're going to face in the round of 32. 
Uh, are you talking Big Ten tournament versus NCAA? Yeah, tournament? yeah. Okay, gotcha. I wasn't sure. You know what? Uh, I don't think it matters with this team. I think this team's going to go and throw it out on the floor, and they're going to battle regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they should. They want to get to Saturday. I think everybody should want them to get to Saturday. You know, it's, it's kind of strange. I moved back to Iowa in 2006, and they've never played on Saturday mm-hmm. since then. <laughs> so uh, I've never seen a Saturday Big Ten tournament game. But let's face it, what this team is going to be remembered for most is what happens in the next tournament, the NCAA. Yep. And I think they've got a very competitive roster that can get them to the second weekend. And I think of all the things that this team specifically could do, getting to the second weekend in the NCAA tournament is most important. So, uh, you know, if they're a seven seed, you know what? If they're going to play a two, they're tough enough to win. So they almost did it last year. So I would say uh, just just getting to the second weekend is probably the thing you want the most. Mm. You know, you mentioned Wieskamp, uh, arguably his worst game as a Hawkeye. He's, he hasn't had. He usually has these when he's having a disappointing game. He finds a way to, you know, to put a five or a six minute stretch together where you know his shots are starting to fall, and very quickly goes from you know having two or three points to finishing with you know ten or eleven, one of those kinds of game. But for whatever reason, uh, yesterday just wasn't that day. What was behind that, Doc? Do you think was they were they doing something different to Wieskamp yesterday that he just couldn't overcome because. I, I I don't think he was hunting his shot, and when he got that shot, it certainly wasn't falling. Yeah, they were they were facing him up most of the time. I mean, they were. It seemed to me that they knew Garza was going to get his points no matter what, and uh, they were in, without having Frederick on the floor. They were determined to not let Wieskamp beat him. If they and then they figured they could live with whatever else happens, which is why. You know, they'll say, Ryan Creener, take all your shots you want. He had 14. Wieskamp only had seven, and most of them were contested, and he only hit one. So they were determined to take him out and live with the results the rest of the way. So they were very physical with him. He got grabbed an awful lot. It didn't get called, so therefore it wasn't a foul. But he he did, uh, I mean, Minnesota, you could tell, was committed to stopping him. And they did a really good job. You know, the one thing he did do is he rebounded well. He had eight rebounds. Uh, but he needed to do a little bit more with his style of play, and I, I'm sure that probably stuck to him yesterday and today, and, and he'll live with him this week until they get to Ohio State. Joe Toussaint, he uh, had another one of those games you could tell early on. It was it was going to be a rough one. He was out of control, and I told Ken earlier, his turnovers and Evelyn's turnovers seem so different because every turnover, it seems like Toussaint, leads to a run out and an absolute layup. But looking at his role next season with Jordan Bohannon back, with you would hope a healthy C.J. Frederick in that backcourt, Wieskamp back. He's not going to be a starter. Those limit those numbers are going to be limited in terms of minutes compared to what he has next year. Now, what do you expect out of Tucson going into his sophomore year? And could he be a guy, when you look at that roster flux, that had a nice season, maybe could look around and, and look closer to home? Are you suggesting that he's going to transfer? Well, I, you just because he's not going to play many minutes next year. And that can be difficult for a lot of guys to swallow. Yeah, I haven't asked him about it, whether or not he's going to transfer. I'm probably not going to go there. <laughs> probably, as as yeah. Goes. yeah. But what I'll say is I think Joe Toussaint could be uh, – he reminds me of Andre Woolrich. He's a young freshman. He's got some skills that is, is rare. And I really like his game. But I also think you've got to be patient with him. You know, he's only a freshman. And he's going to have these – 
ups and downs. We saw him. We've had we've seen him play some really good games this year, and we've seen him struggle at times. And and that just that just happens with young players. So you got to kind of live with the results. I think you know Bakari Evelyn came in and had a really nice game yesterday. I thought that was really mm-hmm. important for him. But you know he plays in the best conference in the country on a team that's going to go to the postseason. You know, in his mind, he shouldn't worry about what Connor McCaffrey or or Jordan Bohannon or C.J. Frederick, do, you know, does. He should worry about himself. And I, I'm not putting him on the bench. You know, I think he's got good, good enough skills that maybe he goes out and beats one of those guys out. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go there quite yet. I think he's good enough to play. Doctor, what do you hear about Luca Garza and and the NBA draft after this year? I mean. I don't know what more he can do. I really don't, and I'm not saying he's a, he's an NBA player, but boy, you, you, when you when you look how he dominates seemingly every time, I don't care who the opposition is, and there's some terrific bigs in the Big Ten, as you well know. They're going to see another one in Michigan State here coming up in a, uh, what a week from Tuesday. It's going to be worth the price of admission. Yet night in and night out, I mean, the, the best big on the floor yesterday wasn't Aturo, was Luca Garza, and it seems like whoever it is, Jalen Smith, I'll take Luca Garza. Yet you don't hear anything NBA draft uh, pursuant to him. And if you do, it's uh, maybe late in the second round. Well, maybe late in the second round. That tells me he's coming back for his final year. Is that what you hear? What have you heard at all regarding his future? Everything that he said has been he's coming back. Now, what I expect him to do is once the season's over with for him and probably Joe Wieskamp is to declare and just so they could go through that process, go to the workouts, possibly go to the combine, get good feedback on their game to kind of register as to where they are going to end up. And then, you know, we just can't pull back last year. Jock has done it before. I expect them to do that, too. Uh, I, I look at we uh, at Garza as in the right system. He could be a very, very good player in the NBA. But, um, you know, everybody kind of grades more on upside and potential and, just rare athletic ability and yeah he doesn't look the part as an athletic guy but you can't uh, you know there's only it's really incredible when you look at statistically in the big 10 in the last almost 30 years uh he has the six most points in a a season with 23.7 right now only three other players sean respert twice glenn robinson twice and carson edwards once averaged more than that in a given season so he's just He's had a remarkable year, a dominant year, and I think all it takes is one NBA guy to say, you know what, he would fit perfectly in our offense because he does this for us. And uh, so I I think he'd have an opportunity at the next level, but I'm really not sure what that means for, you know, one more year at Iowa. Talking with Scott Docterman from The Athletic. Doc, over to your main beat, and that is, of course, Iowa football Spring practice uh, coming up here, getting closer and closer. What do you got percolating over on the athletic? Got any long pieces you're working on and gearing up for things? Well, I tried to take a week off there and <laughs> <laughs> see what happens, uh, you know, to take the week off. But, no, I, I mean, I'm looking at a lot of different things. I mean, one, you got to look at, you know, the combines next week. That's important, you know, for Iowa and support for the five players going over there. I think you look at Tristan Wirfs. I'm going to write about him at some point, just that, you know, this is a huge week for him because there's a lot of that discussion on the NFL side of, well, you know, his, his arm length or he's, hmm. uh, you know, he's going to kick inside to guard because he's on the ground a little too much, all that silly season stuff. And, and I think that's something you want to, you know, I want to really examine. Same thing with A.J. Epineza. You know, no Power 5 player 
had more sacks in November and bowl season than A.J. Epineza. Yet you just don't see the groundswell of interest uh, from, you know, you know, basement scouts the way you do, you know, last year going into the season. And, and some of that's he's not quick twitch enough. Well, I want to get to the bottom as to why and what do offensive linemen think about him. So right now that's kind of what I'm looking ahead at. And then, of course, uh, we've got camp starting in a couple of weeks or spring practice and, you know, I think we all want to see what uh, Spencer Petrus can do. So uh, there's there's always something cooking football side. So when will you get to Indianapolis, Doc? I'm going to go on Monday next week. Uh, we do, we actually have meetings with the athletic that, there as well with the NFL staff and college football staff. So, but I'm going to get there Monday, and I'm going to you know Tuesdays when Nate Stanley talks. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll be able to. Break it all down. Five guys from Iowa plus Eno Benjamin, right? Everybody wants to know what Eno mm, thought of Iowa three yeah. years ago. So I guess we'll see uh, see what happens there. Indeed. Yeah, he did declare, left uh, some eligibility on the table, and uh, he'll be in Indianapolis as well. Well, Doc, we hope to run you down next Monday. Maybe we'll, you'll be on your way over there, but uh, look forward to all of your coverage at The Athletic, as we always do. Thank you, Doc. All right, have a good one, guys. Yeah, you do the same. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic on Iowa. Any, is that, I mean, would you cover, was this bucket list for you no. or do the combine or me? Not at all. A lot all. of folks just love it. I mean, Paul Aldis, he just, I mean, I get it in, in his case, but yeah. um, I don't know. It was never something, boy, I sure hope I get to do that before I call it a career. It looks incredibly boring to me. Does it? It, it does. I, I don't. I watch more of it than I think. You're you're goofy that way, Mm -hmm. though. Now, I didn't watch a minute of XFL. I shouldn't say that. I probably watched five minutes of XFL. So it dissipated. Well, it certainly did in my house. I'm wondering about what the the ratings were. We had one one of our followers on Twitter. He's a 46-year-old guy. He said, uh, and he's a football fan. I know uh, he is. Um, And he didn't watch a single minute of it after being pretty in tune to it last week. Is that the country? Trent, the quarterback play is so poor. It is. I believe I told you that right beforehand. We've seen these leagues. Mm-hmm. Bad offensive line, bad quarterbacks. Right. Matt McGloin was benched. Right. He was bad. He was, ba- he was awful. And his backup, I'm sure, isn't very good either. Right. Because if they were good, they would not be playing in the XFL. There are, best case, 20 good quarterbacks at any given time in the world. And maybe there's some guy, I don't know, in China that could be a stud, but he's not going to make his way. But for as we know it, there are 20 guys that can play the position competently at the high level. And yet, you're going to find these guys uh-huh. playing in the exit. No, they know these guys. These are not vagabonds that are going to come mm-hmm. out of nowhere. The Kurt Warner story, we're never going to see anything Lightning in a like bottle, that. folks. Lightning in a bottle. That was completely different. You're not going to find him toiling around down in the XFL. Uh, St. Louis has sold out their op- home opener. Saw that. Now, they're not, the, the upper deck is closed. Is his lower bowl only? Right. Which could work Absolutely. out of them instead That's... of grabbing the money grab and mm-hmm. selling an extra 5,000 tickets in the upper. No, we're going to make this intimate. We're going to yep. make it cool. We're going to make it loud. This is the way we're going to do now, it. Now, next week will be their first home game. I'm anxious to see how they do after the uh, St. Louis fan base gets a taste of it. I don't know. I'm The numbers should come out at some point today, Trent. Yeah, I bet I they haven't go seen in the toilet. Yet. I bet they go in the tank. They will. I tried to tell people there are, mm-hmm. there are plenty of XFL lovers that tell me that I was wrong on this. Well, sorry, I've seen this too many times in the past. Uh, another TV note we'll save until uh, the other side of this break. It has to do with the Cubs and where you'll be able mm-hmm. to see them. We'll come back talk a little bit about that as we take you until noon. Our final break on Miller and Condon on a Monday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO, and now on one hundred six point. Get hope. 
HopeLawFirm.com. Millery Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Final few minutes of the program. Uh, with spring training underway, Cubs fans are probably wondering to themselves, well, will I be able to watch my team this year? And here's the latest uh, that we know. We know that Mediacom has them. Yes, they do. DirecTV has them. Mm-hmm. And as of today, and you sent me this very early this morning from the Chicago Tribune, Hulu, which is a streaming service, they will have the Cubs. Now, that's more important. The marquee network. Yes, outside of Central Iowa, because like you mentioned, DirecTV, you're good. Mediacom, you're good. Dish Network, not so much. But you're not good with anything right now with Dish Network as it pertains to regional sports. And I don't think that's coming back. Uh, apparently, I saw an article during the offseason, Trent, and they uh, the, that was the premise of the article, that all of those uh, regional carriers, the Cardinals, the Royals, the Twins, Twins. whatever, uh, if you're a Dish Network subscriber and you lost those when? About middle of, just after the All-Star break last year? Was it July? Yeah, somewhere yeah. July, August, and they went away and they never came back, and sounds like they're not coming back. Right. So for non-sports fans, well, that makes sense. I mean... These satellite companies have to realize that you have to find a certain niche now because there are so many people cutting the cord and the numbers continue to grow on a daily basis at huge, huge numbers. And because of that, if you're Dish Network, you're never going to be DirecTV for sports. No. So take the sports completely out of it. And we're going to make a smaller satellite provider, cheaper satellite provider, and sports is expensive. It is. Yeah. And for... You know, Aunt Phyllis that never watches mm-hmm. any sports, and mm-hmm. she's still paying $9 a month for ESPN and $4 a month for ESPN2. Big and 10 FS1 Network. And on and on and on and on. Well, boy, I can get my satellite, and I can mm-hmm. watch HGTV, and I can watch the things I want. The Hallmark Channel. For 40 bucks a month. Right. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I think it makes sense from their side. So that's what Dish that Network route. is targeting. So that makes sense yes. for them. So Hulu, help me out with Hulu. Hulu is one of the first streaming services that came out. Was that the Brady commercial at the Super Bowl? I don't remember if it was I think or not. It was, but anyways. One of their calling cards, though, during really the last couple of years, as more and more streaming has become more prevalent, certainly in the market, is live sports. That they're trying to take that niche. They're trying to be the direct TV of the streaming services where you're going to be able to get everything as it pertains to sports. Good work out of them and for the people in Chicago that are shut up because Comcast, the biggest cable provider mm-hmm. there in Chicagoland, does not have an agreement with Marquee. This makes a lot of sense. And you say, boy, I can get the streaming for 40 bucks. I can still get all my what I normally have. Or it's going to lead to people saying, boy, I get everything already with Hulu. Yeah. I'm trying this for the Cubs, but I get everything else. I can cut no more whatever it may be comcast normally over there so are you are you if you're if you're a youtuber tv or one mm-hmm. uh, uh, can you see direct tv is so good for me t- to stop and go back and watch it again mm-hmm. and i can't do that when i'm watching espn plus on my ipad you can do it though if you were watching it on your television but That's how what I on do. my tv how on your, with TV? your remote control with the direct tv remote control well no it's your tv remote control because direct tv is not working with that, you're watching it through the ESPN Plus app. Okay. So you get that up with your... So you your... can if it goes... Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I've done it before. I've hit pause, okay. put the kids to bed, and come right back downstairs and hit play again and start up with the game that way. So you can do that. 
You can go back. You can go forward. You can do those things. That's all part of it, too. So the Cubs, you'll be able to do that yeah. on Hulu, I'm assuming, right? There's no doubt. Yeah, you'll be able to. You will have that ability. It's not as big of a leap, Ken, as when this really started becoming a talking point, what, five years ago? Mm-hmm. At that time, I was like, no way. Never, ever. Right. Foot down. I don't put my foot down often mm-hmm. at home, but this is the one. I think I'm coming around to the idea of cutting the cord. Well, this this past weekend, or this past week, rather, um, when my my lack of polit- political knowledge is about to be sh- You're not going to the display. right guy with some help here. So, do you remember when Bowlesby and Mark Emmert, the, from the NCAA, not from the Des Moines Register, yeah. were called to Washington? Yes. And whoever they were called in front of, I don't know if it was Congress or Senate. I it was apologize. a committee. It was a committee. There you go. Whatever committee. One of the committee, it was had to do with image, name, and, li- nim, image, name, and likeness. Name, image, likeness. Yes. Nil. But one of the questions had nothing to do with that. It had to do with, you know, I live in rural West Virginia, and I'm not going to be able, because, because I don't have the best internet, I'm not going to be able to watch the Mountaineers take on, I don't know if it was Kansas or I think if it, it was, was Baylor. Yeah. And Bowlesby actually had to answer that question as to why are you doing this? You're hurting us? Yes. Without fast cable. Anyways, uh, but sounds like the future, so Cubs fans will be able to get Hulu, and they will be able to get your Cubs games, and there you go. Out of time. Murph and Andy today at 2. The Fanatics will slide on in at 4. The Morning Rush will start things off on a Tuesday tomorrow at 6. Trent and I are here every Monday through Friday from 10 until noon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.